1: Welcome to It Never Gets Old, a first-hand account of all things secondhand, pre-loved, vintage, consignment, resale, thrift, and sustainable, because the future of fashion is nothing new. I am your host, Meredith Feynman, and I'm hopping in to wish you a very happy Earth Day. It's a really tough, tumultuous time, but I wanted to replay the following two episodes because... I think we think a lot about on this podcast and otherwise how to be conscious consumers. And I want to give you tactics that Sarah and I have discussed on how to shop more sustainably. I hope it helps you. I hope it gives you a little bit of distraction. I hope it allows you to contribute in your own way for Earth Day. You can listen to our entire backlog of episodes starting in April 2019. Happy year anniversary to us. If you do like this podcast, please consider rating, reviewing, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. as always you can find us online at ingopodcast.com email us at anytime at hello at ingopodcast.com slide into the dms anytime at meredith Feynman or at ingopodcast on twitter and instagram and happy planet day i hope you're staying safe i hope you're staying inside and we love you see you soon this episode is about how to shop more sustainably As it never gets old, gets more into the world of sustainable fashion. These are issues I really care about. Uh, And at this point, you will have listened to what consignment and secondhand means for the planet. We were only able to scratch at the surface of what that means. There's so much more information you can find. There's so much more I want to tell. But in this episode, I'd really like to give some 101 about how you the listener can shop more sustainably because it can be incredibly overwhelming. You have people saying, be more sustainable, but you need these small actions in order to really make it affect your life and for you to feel like you're making a difference.
2: And I think that being able to discern between a company's marketing strategy to appear more sustainable and actually doing that as the shopper and you know, the end wear of, of, of these garments, it makes a big difference.
1: And that is, a, that is the tension that's going to exist for a long time. That was readily apparent at the Copenhagen Fashion Summit in lots of conversations about sustainable fashion. How much of this is really going to make an impact on the brand side and how much of it is for show? Um, and that is a much more complex issue. But for you, the shopper, the INGO listener, INGO friend of listener, uh, you know, so how can you really start to shop more sustainably? It doesn't only mean resale, doesn't only mean second hand. In this case, obviously, that's what it, it, the podcast is called. It never gets old, a firsthand account of all things secondhand. So that's the angle that I'm coming at it from. But these are also ways to shop more sustainably that you can employ today, next week, this month, this year, when thinking about how you buy things, whether or not they're firsthand or secondhand. So there's something called clothing swaps. This is not even about shopping. This is about you and your friends. You know, one of the most sustainable things you can do is to swap clothing, trade clothing, host a clothing swap with your friends. In that case, Everything already exists. Nothing new is being made, and you're also not spending any money. Sarah, have you ever been to a clothing swap?
2: Actually, I have. In fact, when I lived in San Francisco for years, a friend of mine, uh, who I think you know, Mayor Alexiatosis, she yeah. she she organized one clothing swap at the time she lived in this funky little—I mean, studio is a kind word for how small her place was. And about 12 of us girls came over with garbage bags full of stuff. And it was pandemonium. And people were trying things on and, you know, looking in the mirror and taking photos. And it was so fun. And I walked away with some nice things. Just, I like my friend's clothes. I, unfortunately, I'm in L.A. now, so I get the clothing swap email every month. And I always go like, oh, man, you know, that sounds fun still. But uh, it's going strong. And everybody loves it.
1: Yeah, so I've been to a couple... Uh, I'm a member of the wing, the women's co-working space, and they have clothing swaps. For me, I don't do them as much because anything, I'm so constantly pruning my wardrobe and getting rid of things that I'm gonna try to sell it first. But it is really fun to trade stuff with people. And then in that vein, something sustainable you can do is if you are getting rid of clothes and you can't find a swap or meetup or that sort of thing is to give your clothes to your friends. That's how to ensure that they stay in Uh, the ecosystem, that they are not burned or disposed of or going to a landfill. And it's incredibly gratifying. I mean, for me, anything I can't sell at the end of the day, I donate about half of it. uh, And I'll talk about how to pick the places you donate as well. But when I give it to friends, I was like a little confused. Like, really? Like, I can have this jacket? I'm like, yeah, I just want it out of my closet. Like, I don't want it. People aren't offering me enough money for it. And I know like you will give it a long life ahead. And I always tell people that it's on permanent loan, you know, like works of art. But then I forget they have it. And then they (laughs) they come, you know, we hang out and they're wearing something of mine. I was like, oh, I totally forgot I had that top.
2: You know, I have a funny story about uh, a clothing swap and something that I ended up with. I didn't remember this is, you know, I had I had gone to several clothing swaps and I had come out of it with this this dress. It was a really nice dress. And I had to go to a wedding. I had to be in the wedding and we could wear whatever we wanted, but it had to be a certain color. And it was gray. And this dress is the only gray dress I've got. And I didn't want to buy anything new. And I had had this dress for a while and it was it was from a clothing swap. And I wore it to the wedding and everyone said how nice I looked. And one of the guests I had forgotten, Uh, she's not really my favorite person. She comes up to me and she goes, it's funny. I used to have that dress, but I gave it away at a clothing (laughs) spot.
1: Oh, my God.
2: I, w- I was wearing her old dress and I just didn't even say anything about it. I was like, oh, weird. Huh, so yeah.
1: funny. Oh, I was my like, God. Oh, yeah, you
2: were there that day. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. So funny. I can't believe that's so weird. Um, uh, so weird. Well, sometimes when I'm at consignment stores, like a similar vein, I like pick out my own stuff that I've sold to them. I'm like, oh, this is cute. I was like, wait, bitch, you sold that to them. <laughs> like, I'm not about to buy, rebuy my own, my own top that I got rid of. I was like, oh, that's really cute. I was like, oh, yeah, that's mine. Uh, I would think that that's
2: cute. (laughs) You know what you like.
1: Exactly. So those are two things you can do without like any moving, moving any money, any spending any money. You save tons of money. Like, listen, if you could just swap forever. I do think that, you know, with the rental economy, our friend Sarah, uh, Tom McLeod has a company called Omni, which is all about renting and access to materials, you know, Rent the Runway. Uh, all that stuff is this closed loop of fashion, which is what you know we're aiming for. And in that vein, another thing you can do to shop more sustainably is just be a more informed consumer. Start doing your research on the brands you like, uh, and you can ask them about supply chains, how many, how they produce their garments, how much water they're using, where they produce their garments what sort of emissions that causes. I mean, a lot of companies and brands are not going to give you that information, but ones that are more sustainably focused and a lot of new brands popping up or ones that are trying to be more eco-friendly will actually have transparent supply chains. So you genuinely know where and how your stuff is coming from.
2: Yeah, it seems like that would be the first place to start is, is the company even willing to give up that information? Have they already thought about this?
1: Totally. And I think that in the future, a lot of companies are just going to have to as we all become more conscious consumers and conscious uh, shoppers. Uh, But something that's also really important that was a, a really interesting topic of conversation at the Copenhagen Fashion Summit where I was in May which is a sustainable fashion summit in its 10th year was what about worker conditions? We often don't think about this when we think about sustainability. We're like, okay, how much water is going into it? How much heat? What are the emissions? What are you doing with like excess materials? But you don't think about worker part. I mean, that is a huge part of sustainability is like, are the workers treated well? That is what makes a company and a brand often sustainable, too, is it's not just about like the exact, you know, ecological bits. It's like, you know, how are their workers treated? You know, what are they afforded when it comes to benefits and pay? And is there fair pay? I mean, there are lots of questions about that. That's a huge that's something that's really important to me that I that I hadn't Thought about as much or labor conditions, which is something that's controversial uh, in in most industries, but is in fashion in particular too is is important.
2: I liken this to the conversation I often have with myself about food, and that is you know you know ha- how how if I'm eating a, a delightful cheeseburger, it does matter to me where the meat came from, how the cow lived, uh, you know clearly ended up on a plate somewhere but the the meat conversation I have with myself constantly and I make myself do it even though it makes me uncomfortable of course because you just want to turn a blind eye and eat what you want and I think that the more people feel that same way about how clothing gets made and who might have suffered because of it yeah. You know, once once you once you get into that mode it's very empowering
1: it is and it makes it's it's something you can do even if you aren't are buying new things to think about like how did this get here where did it come from do i like you know look into a brands like what is a brand about like do they have a page about ethics. Do they have a page about their core values and and featuring people that help make the clothing? There are a lot of brands and sometimes are jewelry companies and ones that are are selling things from other countries in particular and small artisans in those countries. You know there are a couple of, there are, there are a lot of these sorts of brands. But you know there's some that that will employ people in a remote area of say Mexico to make. Um, woven bags, and, and portions of that goes back into their economy to feed their families. This is true of many brands that, that employ women in this way, and just the nonstop uh, evidence that, you know, when women are supported, particularly financially, everyone wins. So then something you can do is inquire about something that is becoming more common of a term, but not something that everyone knows about, which is dead stock. So what is deadstock?
2: It sounds horrible.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it needs a better name, but it's basically it's basically
2: leftovers.
1: Like, let's say you are you are a brand uh, like Sandro, let's say Sandro mm-hmm. and a brand. Key, I love, love Sandro. Uh, the key hit me up if you're in Paris. I'll tell you where their secret outlets are. So good.
2: Ooh, um, good times.
1: But but let's say, you know, for one season they did a floral pattern that they created themselves and created the fabric and made that. Um, But there's a lot that they didn't end up using. Uh, So a brand like Reformation out of Los Angeles is built on this idea that deadstock fabric, deadstock denim uh, can have this second life instead of being thrown out, instead of being put in a landfill, instead of being literally lit on fire, which I'll talk about in a second um and polluting in such a major way. So, a lot of brands are getting into this idea of dead stock materials. I would imagine it's also much cheaper because it already exists and you can buy it for cheap, but that is ask, inquiring about what if what if anything is dead stock is is certainly a way to be uh, a more conscious and sustainable shopper.
2: And I can imagine that a company like Sandro, okay, so they've got a floral pattern, it's very recognizable as, you know, fall of 2016. Right. So it's like they can't reuse it. It's done. So I get why it would be dead to the company at that point. But the company, because bottom line is always important to a company like this, it would make sense for them to at least get, you know, some pennies on the dollar to ship that fabric over to Reformation and and make some money.
1: Totally. And I think that also, you know, the future of fashion is nothing new. I'll say it Tom Blue in the face. But I, I think that also in the future, Brands are going to bring back some of this dead stock and market it as eco-friendly um, and also could say it's like vintage or throwbacks or whatever. Uh, actually, a uh, friend of the podcast, Anne of Trash Couture, she is a couturier. She runs um, a fashion house called Trash Couture for, I think, about 20 years. And hopefully we'll have her on the podcast. She now lives in Copenhagen. She lived in Paris and London for a long time. Uh, she takes the dead stock or excess fabric from Chanel, Hermes, Louis Vuitton, like Yves Saint Laurent, and makes them into beautiful gowns.
2: How does she have access to these brands? These are, you'd think, you'd think. Other people would want this.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's been doing it for 20 years, first of all. Right. Uh, so, like, she's a wild she's built up first, a good network. first mover and she just got to know the right people. Um, and her stuff is very beautiful. Uh, I will put up some examples of her work. And it's really cool to think that, like, you're wearing all of their excess stuff and it's, you know, given the second, third life. Um, and her gowns are not, they're gorgeous. They're, you know, she hand makes them all and sort of patchworks them together. But this idea of dead stock, I'm not sure Chanel would ever say dead stock and Chanel certainly isn't giving away quote unquote dead stock to anyone. You're going to have to like, you know, there, there is
2: a price, pry yes. it out
1: of their cold, dead hands. Um, well, this is something that actually needs to be talked about. So I was talking about literally lighting things on fire. So one huge problem and something you need to think about when being a more sustainable shopper and consumer is a lot of luxury brands, you know, at the end of a season, they don't want to put, they're not going to, Chanel isn't going to put the stuff that didn't sell into a TJ Maxx. Right. And so they have because a, it
2: Because it, it brings down the brand, at least in the brand's eyes.
1: A hundred percent. So you're never going to see this stuff- and they don't want to put stuff on sale a lot of times. Like it's not like Chanel clothing really ever goes on right, sale. Right, there's no clearance
2: rack at Chanel. Yeah, it, it, like if it, I walked into it,
1: yeah, their store in Paris and was like, "Hey, where's the sale section?" They would like laugh me out of the store.
2: Well, yeah, because they you're you're sort of admitting that something went wrong in that case. And not or, every brand yeah. feels that way, but when you're a Chanel, yeah, you don't. It just goes away.
1: And it's well goes away. Is these luxury brands have a horrible history of lighting the shit on fire? Wow! And um, and
2: and and then yeah. Then the next question is where and who's well, breathing that smoke? And wh- yeah. yikes!
1: Like talk about talk about not being sustainable. So France actually recently passed a law that outlaws this. Um, And it was something that a lot of these brands did, which is, you know, it's so crazy. Like instead of this selling this $5,000 dress, I'm going to light it on fire Uh, because that's how much I don't want people to get it at a better price or that's how much I don't want to admit that, you know, a certain line of skirts didn't sell. It's disgusting. And it also, yeah, who's breathing that air? Who's regulating that? And this happens a lot, by the way. I mean... A lot of brands do this. There's a huge push to stop it. And that is an enormous part of the sustainable fashion conversation is like, no, you may not light your things on fire. getting a good night's sleep is truly harder than ever in the times we're living in. And just in general, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time tossing and turning just thinking about my business and the podcast. Uh, and some of that has to do with how comfortable my bed is. There's a lot of bedding options these days, but I want to tell you about Attitude. It's very in the spirit of It Never Gets Old, Women Founded, and sustained super soft they're made of bamboo super breathable if you get really sweaty at night helps regulate your temperature they're hypoallergenic antimicrobial but really exciting this clean bamboo process recycles 98 percent of the water it uses every sheet set saves 3031 gallons of water compared to traditional cotton sheets free from harsh chemicals vegan organic the most sustainable bedding available. The packaging is eco-friendly. They don't only have sheets, super cute jammies and robes, and it never gets old listeners get a special discount of 20%. If you go to Etitude.com and enter the promo code INGO, you'll get 20% off of whatever you want. And hopefully you can snooze a little better. Again, that is Etitude.com ettitude. dot com. Use the promo code INGO for twenty percent off. Attitude, get a better night's sleep.
2: You know, I I've done a lot of extended travel in in in, in what would be definitely called developing parts of the world uh, in my lifetime, and I have come across, and I'm not saying this is Chanel doing this necessarily, but I have come across. You kind of go through a town, maybe you're on a bus going from point A to point B, and there would just be these huge garbage fires. And it wasn't because something, you know, the fire had been ignited on purpose. People were trying to get rid of stuff. Where was this stuff coming from? Wasn't coming from the town. Only like 50 people lived there and were living very simply. You do see this, and it is weird and residual shit and uh, very concerning,
1: Yeah, I mean, we have a landfill problem, you know, we have a plastic problem, we have all this stuff problem. But yes, I mean, that's a traditional way of getting rid of things, lighting them on fire. Uh, So in being a more conscious consumer, I mean, making sure you don't engage with brands that do that. I'm France passed this law that you cannot do it. Uh, I am sure they still do in some ways. They just send it to a more remote part uh, of the world. It's a step
2: in the right direction, though. yes. It you totally know, is. It, 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 it may not be enforced, uh, but if a company knows it may be fined, whereas before everyone kind of just turned a blind eye, then that is that, that, that seems like progress. Totally.
1: So another way to be a more sustainable shopper is to buy higher quality items. I mean, we've talked in previous episodes, continue to talk about it, how... how uh, enticing fast fashion is uh how much if I see something or this used to be the, I mean Zara knocks everything off immediately it's incredible but uh you know I'm like oh I wanted this exact sandal uh Zara H&M hat you know that's a Chanel sander or designer I, it doesn't have to be Chanel it can be any kind of designer you know that's trendy uh that I'm seeing it for you know, a a smidgen of the price, that's incredibly enticing. And those brands play on that and play on your desire to have something that's cool and trendy for a fraction of the price. But you do have the option of buying higher quality things and whether that's shopping less. I mean, so that's 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 the most I mean, brands would rather die than tell you this. But, you know, that is the most sustainable option is just to shop less. Um, I've tried really hard. And I think as you get older, you realize, you know, when I was in college, like also, you know, you don't have any money. And, uh, you know, Forever 21 was a splurge on a dress that I wanted to wear to a party. Um, and I used to say, like, well, I'd rather have 20 tops from Forever 21 than like one nice top. And now I think that as you get older and as also we all reckon with this, and I think had I cared about it more in college, I would have thought differently. But shopping less and being really conscious of your purchases uh, there is a great meme that goes around that's like, oh, you know, are you looking for a purpose? And then it's like me. Oh, you mean purchase, which is that, you know, when you feel sad, you know, shopping is incredibly tied to
2: emotions. Oh, oh totally. yeah. Yeah. It gives you a boost. It, it is short lived, but it, the boost is real.
1: No, 100%. I'm like, maybe I will be less anxious if I buy these shoes. 100%. Like, I totally will. Let me buy these shoes. And they alleviate. They put that They put that band-aid on for a little bit. Then in a lot of those instances, for me at least, when I've been emotionally shopping, uh, I usually – those aren't usually things that I keep for a long time. Are they – what do you think?
2: No, I, I, I have um, been very guilty of buying something because, yeah, I was – I was in a mood and I wanted to feel better or I saw somebody wearing some shoes and I was like, I just want them. I don't even care. I'm not even going to think about this very hard. I just want to do it and it's going to feel good. It's almost like a weird kind of manic episode sometimes. I I often have gotten things... This is all this is all based on online shopping, by the way, right? Because it doesn't require me to go anywhere. If I have to go somewhere, then I'm going to change my mind halfway to the mall. But I I have a... I have a pair of, they're really cute, but they're kind of like sequiny leggings, and they're like gold and white, and I bought them in one of these, you know, little, I had 30 seconds to to change my mind, and so I bought them, and (laughs) I've never worn them. They're in a bag in my bedroom right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I did this a couple weeks ago. I was feeling super depressed. As you know, I'm crunching, or some listeners know I'm crunching on a book called Brag Better, about how to find, use, and promote your voice and your work. Uh, And I was having a really tough day and it was like a Sunday and, you know, Sundays are hard anyway. Uh, Sunday scaries. And I like just... It's funny because I don't shop online. So when I am feeling emotional... Um, or feeling down or feeling sad or feeling like I need a new thing, or like maybe I'll feel better about myself if I just have a cuter jacket, you know a lot of sometimes that's tied to you know feeling pretty or feeling cute, and that's been sold sure. to, to yeah, women a, for a very long time
2: self worth is very much yeah. tied to what we look like, yes,
1: yes, and that's been sold to us for a long time, and so i i plopped i bought this jacket i mean it was at a buffalo exchange but like i'm looking at it i mean it's pretty cool like it's a vintage levi's jacket with a bunch of like metal heavy metal patches on it but (laughs) but like i mean it's cool i like it you know i'm a hard-ass bitch just kidding uh but uh you know it uh, i was like oh you recognize
2: why you got it you got it in a moment not because it was, yeah
1: Yeah, it's sitting on the chair. We all have the chair, which is the chair of clothing that we like never put back in our rooms or in your living room. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a chair or a footstool.
2: You know, going back to the idea of having a kind of that personal uniform that's uh, fewer items and nicer items is something that. I think is largely cultural, and you know America is not known for sustainability in general, although it's changing at least in certain parts of uh, our great nation. But when I was growing up, I had a couple of cousins who lived in Switzerland. Um, they my dad's sister uh, married a Swiss guy, so they lived in Switzerland, although they were kind of American, but they were they were Swiss. And when they would come and visit, as we got a little bit older, we kind of kind of got into the teen years. My cousin, Jill, who was a little bit younger than me, but more or less the same age, you know, she always would pack like, like just like five things and then wear them over and over. And I remember kind of ribbing her about it. Like, are you just going to like wear the same shirt every day? And she was like, why do I have to have so many shirts? And it was something that she had learned because she was far away from my life in California. And it has stayed with me over the years because I have now become someone who's like I just can't deal with this nonsense I don't want to do so much laundry don't want to go to the dry cleaners I like what I like I like the colors that I like I kind of know what looks good and fewer is better for me at this point
1: yeah I mean it's super duper American what you're talking about so like it's interesting because for example in France uh, or in Paris specifically, especially people that are into fashion. But this is European. It's just not – Amer- America is like more, 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 new, 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 give me all the things, like blah, 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 Like at least like for example in France, like you'd spend a couple thousand dollars once a year on some beautiful things and then wear them until they were basically – Disintegrated off your body (laughs) and because of that uh, there were not a ton of consignment stores in Paris and over the years as I've continued going there are more and more and more as I believe this sort of American ideal of turnover in our closets uh, is is everywhere um, now, there are t- you couldn't you used to not be able to really find luxury consignment as much in Paris. You could with bags like Chanel bags or Mez bags, like really, really high end stuff. Uh, and then there was like really large, large, large amounts of vintage. But that in between that designer consignment, um, whether it is, you know, luxury brands or it's high end contemporary, like we're talking about a Sandra, we're talking about um, a frame denim like you used to not be able to find that. Uh, and now I, I think that that is actually we're spreading that message all over the world.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that, you know, gets into obviously one way to be a more sustainable and conscious consumer is to buy secondhand. Uh, it already exists in the ecosystem. It's already there. And there are your options, as I've laid out before, are resale, consignment, vintage, whether you are finding these stores online uh, whether you're looking at the real real, ThredUp, Poshmark, Tradesy, Grailed, eBay, I'm like trying to list all these: Depop, Vistap, StockX, Fashion File. I think I've run out now. Pre, uh, God, it's like a Rolodex. Uh, or you're or you're looking around. It's just a great way to be, but also listen, there's no such thing as a perfect shopper or perfect consumer. Nobody can be quote unquote perfect. We're all just struggling to do our part. For me, I realized that this was a way I could make an impact. This is something I cared about. If that's through shopping and clothing and buying secondhand and talking to people about that, then fine. That's, That's your contribution.
2: Something I always tell myself when, because I do suffer a little bit from the like, eh, somebody else already had it. It's it's not new, it's not unique, it's old. I I have some pieces. Like you mentioned Sandro. I have a Sandro jacket, a winter coat. It's really nice. I barely wear it because I live in Los Angeles, but if I'm going to New York in the winter, like I'm going to wear that coat. It's wonderful. And I and I bought it like 4 years ago now. It's really nice. It's in pristine condition. Of course, I wouldn't just like get rid of it after one season. That would be insane. I spent quite a bit of money on it. And so I always think about that when something secondhand comes to me that looks really great, but I'm getting that icky feeling where it's like, but I would still be wearing it if I had bought it a few years ago. So no one knows. It doesn't matter.
1: Totally. And this is this is hard about trends. Like, there are always ways to participate in trends with secondhand. Like, for example, like, literally all I want this summer, I've decided, are things that are, like, clear and plastic and jelly, which is terrible for the environment. It's just plastic. It's terrible. It's never going to biodegrade. Um, but, like, I don't know. The, the child in me wants jellies again. Um, and so I was in a Buffalo Exchange. And, you know, there's a lot of this stuff gets produced Honestly, everything comes around again. I don't know if you've looked around at like the youths recently, Sarah, or what we care about. But like it's not it's 1993.
2: The scrunchie revolution. I, I've never been so happy because it tears my hair out less. And the, the kids love the scrunchies.
1: I'm wearing a scrunchie right now. Those chunky Fila sneakers. I'm currently wearing short, shorter alls, short overalls. Like I dress like my fourth grade self. Like (laughs) it's amazing. But like literally I'm out here in like Teva's like, overalls though in fourth grade the cool thing was like only have one overall strap on which like led to a lot of me getting a lot of straps in grade school in the toilet but like because that's (laughs) what sucks about overalls um and I'm wearing like carrying like a jelly clear bag and the hair clips are back like which is a way to say that you can participate in these trends by buying secondhand things like every everything comes around again you know like it's what's old is new the '90s. This I had this crazy, hilarious, and scary, like eye-opening experience. So I was at Crossroads, which is like a resale Buffalo Exchange type shop, and it's one of my favorite places to shop. And I was what? There were these teens in there, which like all teens intimidate me, but they're literally all dressed like the '90s. Are all in these crop tops and these chunky shoes, and they have their hair in barrettes. And, except they're all holding iPhones and you know, like taking pictures for Instagram. It's like really a weird flashback for me um wearing like glitter on their faces uh and I watched them like nothing has resurged among at least Generation Z more than Doc Martens I mean we remember Doc Martens in the 90s they were like such a they were such a icon of grunge I love grunge that whole like flannel shirts and you know angry, sad looks and listening to Nirvana and (laughs) like I was a little, I was a little young for that, but I felt like grunge. I wish I had been a teenager more during grunge because it really spoke to me and my little emo self.
2: Well, Uh, I'm a little older than you. So it was, I I was just getting into those teen years when the grunge uh, surge hit and it was the nice thing about grunge was it was largely just comfortable Everything was kind of big. Nobody was wearing fitted minis. It was just, it was sort of, uh, you know, let your shoulders down type thing. I never wore a pair of Doc Martens because they're just too chunky for me. But that, but, you know, it, it, it was, it was definitely a look and, and it is very nostalgic now.
1: And I had them then. I have them again now. Um, I don't know if you like I mean Billie Eilish who's like the number one pop star right now I look at her in her baggy clothes and all of her stuff is really expensive it's like Louis Vuitton baggy clothes like she like is she's just like the 2019 version of grunge I'm obsessed with her but I watched these teens discover a certain style of Doc Martin which was sort of like it wasn't a penny loafer it's not called a penny loafer it was like a little school shoe it was it was not like didn't have any laces and they were like oh my god these are the coolest shoes i've ever seen and i was like oh my god i'm watching these kids like discover a like a doc martin shoe that was so popular in the 90s like the little like schoolgirl shoe that like it was it was absolutely wild which is to say that those shoes weren't new um right. you know a lot of stuff has been reissued but you can buy into trends secondhand i promise It's the first part of how to shop more sustainably. Uh, maybe you're finding some Doc Martens on eBay somewhere, or you're just like lying on your bedroom floor listening to Kurt Cobain, you know, talk about your whole existence, which was literally me. <laughs> I was, you know, maybe your 12-year-old self needs to come back, or you're, you know, a younger person listening to it never gets old, and you're like, oh my god, people had Doc Martens before I was a teenager. <laughs>
2: it's Uh, true yes but it's true
1: either way you can find us online at ingopodcast.com we are on twitter and instagram at ingopodcast send us an email at hello at ingopodcast.com on our website there's also a submission form ask me questions tell you about your fondest doc martin grunge memories or if you're discovering them now why you love them so much they're very comfortable and badass and we will get into the second part of this soon